Daryl Pace, and the man sitting next to me is my brother Byron Pace. This is this is show eighty five or eighty six. I've not even looked. We really should have. We should really look. <laughs> but it, it it doesn't matter. We're, we, I, I just we're can't in believe. the eighties. We're in the eighties. It's pretty cool. Which means that a hundred is not that far away. Yeah, we'll have to do something for the hundredth show. That's pretty we'll, special. I think we'll need we'll need to try and bring on an extra special guest, and uh, we're going to work on and doing a big give giveaway. A big yeah. giveaway. Yeah. We've got more things to give away this week and the winner of the competition which ran two weeks ago, which was to win a Hornady full-length reloading die. I think, actually, Daryl, you've got the winner there, don't you? We I might do as well indeed. announce that now if you've um, I've, uh, in fact, lost, lost uh, it, but I've, I think I've memorized it. Uh, okay, I did memorize it correctly. Guy Harrison, congratulations. I think he was actually an email entry. You work, so it does work if you email. Yeah, it does indeed. Um, and if you are a new listener, we give away prizes every two weeks on the show. So all you need to do is listen to the start and end, and uh, we tell you how to win these prizes it's really not that difficult and we've been giving away prizes for over two years now we have given away a lot of kit a serious serious amount of kit and we've got more stuff to give away on this week's show uh we've got uh i haven't actually picked it out yet but i've got a bundle of uh it's cleaning stuff from tipton so the most of its brushes that go on the end of your, your cleaning rods now we gave a whole bunch of tipton cleaning rods away over the last 12 months so this is cleaning rod accessories to go with that, and did we decide how people were going to enter that door? Yeah, so actually we're going to make this one a little bit harder to enter um, than the usual ones where you just have to tag a friend or something in the post or send us an email. Um, you can still send us an email on this one, by the way. Uh, all you need to do is, if you have got a podcast sticker, uh, then take a picture of your vehicle with it on in a cool location or just wherever, Send it in, and the best one wins. That's simple it. as that. Simple as that. And if you don't have a podcast sticker, then head over to our website, order one, and we will get them out to you as soon as possible. Yeah, we, we, ne- there's a lot that, of podcasts day. out there now. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of podcast a lot stickers. Of podcast stickers. Yeah. yeah, we had uh, some people pick them up over the last two shows that we've been at. We were at the Northern Shooting Show earlier in the year, and last weekend. We were at school. Yeah, I can't actually. Can't I was just trying it. to work out whether it was two weekends. No, it wasn't. It was, it was last, it was last weekend. weekend. I cannot believe it's. Wow, it was, it was hot. It was. I've never known in my lifetime an extended period of time being this hot in Scotland. We've almost had eight weeks of it. Yeah, and I'm 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 seriously not complaining. It was verging on too hot for a few things we were doing, and actually the only thing I would complain is that my I got my delivery of my bees as this podcast goes out. Um, it was delayed by almost four weeks, my delivery, because it was too hot, because they wouldn't bring them up, which is understandable, because I didn't want a hive to arrive with just dead bees because that, that would be roasted bees. <laughs> roasted bees. There has been, I mean, right across the country, apart from the wildfires uh, which have been raging up and down the UK, uh, there has been a lot of uh, consequences to the warm weather. I actually saw a video the other day. It was a an upland um, like splash and pond that dried up and there was just strewn with dead uh, gull chicks. Hmm. Just dead everywhere because there was nothing to eat, nothing to eat, no water to drink. 
so I'm sure the wildlife is thankful for the rain that we had yesterday. Not that it, it was very much. It wasn't really much at all. Uh, I was. We spoke. I spoke to Steve, a friend of ours up at. Oh, he's a, the the head keeper up near Loch Ness, and he actually said they've had rain for the last two days. Really? Actual proper rain, hmm. enough to relieve the wildlife anyway, which is good. Uh, before I forget, ap- apologies during this show because uh, Byron was not being very professional and had his phone on probably uh. the loudest setting possible during the, during the show. And there was we just carried on and there was no way to edit it out as such. I so did get up and take my headset off. He did, but it off. rang for an <laughs> awfully long time. And then apologies again for uh, the dogs. If you heard them, it's we live in the countryside. There's dogs and uh, they like to let us know when people. people People are, here. people are here, so um, and people the, arrive very frequently you, to the office. You, people do loads of deliveries, and the biggest problem isn't actually the dogs barking; it's them howling. There's a husky, and it's actually the howling of the husky that you can you can hear. But he's actually the biggest deterrent out of all the dogs because it's just spaniels. The spaniels aren't very threatening, <laughs> but when you've got a, a creature that looks like a wolf, but the thing is, is that he's actually the least dangerous out of all of them. He's if soft. I had to take on all any of the dogs that we have, bear in mind they're all spaniels. I would take I would take on the, the the husky over the spaniels. He is the gentlest dog I think I've ever known. So that that was all I had to say about the the show because that was the only 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 little things that were wrong with it today. But uh, just to to wrap up on the game fair just passed because we kind of got sidetracked oh, yeah. there. Thank you very much to everybody who came to see us because we actually had quite a number of podcast listeners um, from all over Scotland. I mean, it, it's a big draw. The, the game fair at Schoon Palace. So people from all over Scotland and uh, some people from the north of England make the journey. It was a beautiful and marvellous weekend. I think that the ice cream sellers did particularly well. Um, those selling very hot jackets, probably not so. Yeah, uh, no, but it was so great to see everybody. It's, it must always be like a catch-22 with those shows because some people always do better than others depending on the weather obviously if it's pissing with rain like it was last year at the game fair a picture came up and it was just a bog last year then the welly boot guys and the boots guys do really well but if if it's sunshine then people don't really want to spend time in the the hot tent but it worked out well we had our own little space in a kind of new row we were joined by our friends um, from Sandgrass Travel, uh, Johnny Stage, who we were in Svalbard with and we've talked about on this podcast before. He was there. He had his, his cool black branded up Land Rover parked beside our tent. And I drove my Series 3 109 built in 1972 all the way from my house to the game fair to have that parked by our stand as well. And it made it. Without hiccups. You say all the way, it was 32 miles or something. Yeah, but it felt like an expedition to me. <laughs> Bearing in mind that our dad's Hilux did, truck yeah, did break down. didn't even make it there on the day that it was supposed to. That's well, true. it was delayed. We have found the source down. of the problem. If your, if your Hilux is going into limp mode, then there's a high chance that it's uh, a wiring or a fuse issue. Yep. Uh, well, Dad solved it, but the point is... Because this isn't the first time, this is the third time it's done it, and each time has been either fuse blown, and the source of the fuse blowing blowing was there was a nicked wire that I think was probably... It had been rubbed. Being rubbed, and um, I think it was probably just earthing and tripping everything. I didn't have that problem in a Land Rover. You can <laughs> fix it with a spoon. Yep, true. So that is that. We have. I have a... A bit of information for you for the next game fair, uh, big game fair that's coming up, which is the game fair. Uh, actually, it's the very last weekend of July this month. Yes, it is. Uh, now, regular podcast listeners, if you cast your mind back, we had Charlie Brownlow on the podcast um, 
maybe 10 months ago. I'm actually, I, I haven't actually checked. I really can't it was remember. about that. I think uh, it was this year. It was this year, yeah. early this year. Uh, to talk about uh, driven shooting and big bag days, that was the main thing that he came to talk about. And on that podcast, we mentioned the fact that his wife is an incredibly talented artist, Claire, uh, Claire Brownlow. Uh, and we are having Claire on the podcast pretty soon, but probably not before the game fair. Now, she is going to be there, and I've got a bit of info um, for you she is going to be uh, on stand H914. She has a whole new collection to display. I was rather disappointed she, when I spoke to her on the phone. She told me that the the Pike um, um, painting that she did, which Daryl and I were both commenting on, it was just absolutely exceptional, just got sold last week. Yeah, so it, if you're going for that Pike, picture. Chat, Pike picture, it's gone. But she does, however, have sea trout, fallow, deer, stags, hares, and a whole bunch of other stuff, including what she is particularly well known for, which is uh, a painting of, of, of paintings of fighting cock pheasants. Now, I didn't know this, but she actually only does two a year to try and keep it unique and special. So they haven't even been displayed yet. So the first two for this year are going to be at the Game Fair. So go and check her out. And you can uh, also, if you want to get an idea of the kind of artwork it is uh, pheasant feather art on instagram she has quite a lot of yeah it's like a really really cool instagram but, page but we're gonna have her on the show and possibly if we can find the time actually go to the studio and she did say to me when i spoke to her on the phone that we would get to have a go with the fe- pheasant feathers I, i'm a terrible I, artist i think she's gonna regret that <laughs> uh, i think what will resemble of my art will be splatter art that'll well, be it. it could be modern art you could do modern art with the pheasant feathers you could do which yeah. is really just any rubbish, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess any bl- blotchy. Yeah. Uh, and just describe it as a mood. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something. There was something else that was um, coming up. Oh, we have finally caught up on orders of Modern Huntsman. Yes. So, And we actually have some we, sitting we in actually, the office. We actually have some in stock. And I don't want to say we got a large amount because we actually don't. Uh, but we do have some in stock. So if you order it, it will be going out uh, straight away. And the people that have um, got signed uh, copies, they are on their way as well. They'll they'll be uh, in a, here in a few weeks' time. Uh, and we are taking pre-orders for Volume 2 already. Quite a number of people have uh, been pre-ordering. It's if, not far away now. It's not far away. Which means I need to pull my finger up because the deadline for the article submissions is the end of this month, <laughs> which means there's only two or three weeks left. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. I'm excited to see what Tyler and the team uh, are going to put together and Charles Post, who's assistant editor again. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm, uh, we have a little bit more insight than just your average person on the street because we speak to Tyler a lot, but I'm excited uh, to to get the the next volume in my hands, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be so cool. It is gonna be great. Uh, I just I just thought of something because we're obviously doing a podcast sticker competition, and we've given away some stickers before. Um, we gave away to some to, uh, on Instagram mainly to some farmers. We gave some to our American listeners. So this time we're gonna keep it. Well, it doesn't matter if what country you're in, but typically there'll be more here. If you are a gamekeeper, so you're in the profession of gamekeeping or, or land management I'll, I'll go as far yeah, as that yeah so factors stalkers gamekeepers yeah. send us a message on whatever it may be you use even an email and we will give you one we'll send it out I've, I'm not setting a number on how many we're going to give out uh, but I know that last time we did this for the American listeners we had about 20 people about 30 minutes after the <laughs> podcast after went out yeah <laughs> 
So, um, so we won't set a number on it, and we will get them out like as soon as possible. I know uh, from the local keepers around where I live that most have just taken deliveries of their pheasants for this year. Yes. So if you're driving around the country roads, just keep an eye out, try your best not to hit any pheasants on the road, especially when they're young and stupid. Once they get a bit older and smarter, they they can tend to fend for themselves. But um, you do need to be careful because there was a road just out the back of me and it really did look like somebody had deliberately driven along the road and they killed like it was a dozen or 15 birds all in one go. It was in a a window of 20 minutes because the gamekeeper had been up and down that road and he'd been back in 20 minutes. And there was a headlamp broken and 20 birds dead. And that is just somebody driving like an idiot. But you'd think like after the first one you like slow down. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't like 20 in a pile. It was 20 strung out over like 200 meters. <sighs> dear me, dear me. They deserve to have their headline broken. If you want any particular guests on in the coming coming shows, please just send us an email. We have so many good suggestions of people coming in. And often it's people people know. And like, oh, we've got someone that don't know this person, blah, blah, blah. Uh, send it in, please, because we will always endeavor to... Um, to get hunt the, them down and hunt get, them them on. get them on and uh, bring the shows that you want because the show we've got on today is one that we've been meaning to do for quite some time and it's awesome to get Simon on because we've been meaning to get some more people from the UK on talking about professions that happen here and old world skills as uh, well exactly and Simon's profession I guess from out with the UK is unique and unique probably non-existent actually I'll say yeah you. Simon Whitehead, his profession, he does say, did he say he's a rabbit catcher or a rabbiter? I can't remember now. He he says he's not a warrener. He's not a warrener. Yeah, he's not a warrener because they actively... Manage warrens. uh, Bred rabbits. Okay. But he makes his living from rabbits. And he told us when we were interviewing that he is one of two people in the entire country who do that. As a full-time profession. As a full-time, yeah, occupation, which is amazing. Uh, and it is proper old world skills that are to some extent dying out. If you're a youngster, because we know there's a lot of youngsters that, that listen to this podcast, I, I hope you're fascinated enough to go and check this out. Go go onto YouTube and look up ferreting um, after this because it is so much fun. Ferrets can be great to keep as a pet and working tool. It's not something I have done a bit of it, but it's not something I really ever got into because there wasn't anyone around us who really did it. Although I have uh, I have done it in more recent times, but it's amazing and fantastic and a great way to get into the countryside because if you do a good job, as uh, Simon talks about here, then you'll you know you, normally get permission on that. Yeah, farm you, you get invited back and yeah. and you get permission in other places. So um. uh, I, there was one other thing I wanted to say which was thank you very much to everybody who took the time to send us an email with suggestions uh, about the kind of projects or initiatives that we should be raising funds for uh, the next sort of drive that we have, which will be very, very soon. Um, we, we've had some great suggestions so far, and we're sort of investigating, digging into them and working out what we could try and fund that is going to make a difference in terms of habitat and species. So at the moment, we're, we're looking at one of the things that I've just been on the phone about this last week is bats. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a podcast on bats at some point, probably before the end of this year as well. That is... Uh, we, I have found the Batman. Bat, bat, <laughs> bats are cool. Bats are really cool. And that's it, I think. Well... It, the show is about an hour and a half long, so it's it's really cool. So I, this is your commute to work and your commute back today. <laughs> it is. Enjoy the show. 
second because I got I got captured by the Yorkshire gents. Oh, you've been on Rob's yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. I took about Ferreton twice and probably the first time he come out when we did the podcast, we had to do the podcast drying out in the B&B with me slurping tea and eating biscuits. <laughs> so, and he got absolutely drenched. He picked the worst day ever to come out. And I mean the worst day ever. We couldn't see more than 20 yards in front of us because the fog had come down on the hill. Oh, no. We were filming and, and photographing and doing content for a piece. So all the boys wanted to pack in. And, and I said, no, no, we've got we to crack on. Were you recording while he was... No, no, no we, just... that was the plan. Mm. But the weather was that bad. You couldn't do it. He was drenched. He, we had to keep putting jackets on him because <laughs> the, the stuff he turned up in just wasn't... Was that his first... Because ex- we, we, we've we been on his podcast and we actually met him at the film festival, which yeah. we'll talk about. Uh, but was that his first experience of it? Yes. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So what I did then, once we did the uh, cast, and I, it, was, it, was, it was quite bizarre because as I said, we were drying out and drinking tea and it was just in a little B&B bedroom. Mm. Uh, but then when we went back up there a f- couple of months later, he come out with us again when it was a bit better weather. And he loves it. Yeah, yeah, no, he... he he loved it, but he, uh, it's a bizarre experience because even though they're around this world, they don't know our world. Mm. Well, I mean, it's uh, very unique. Within the sort of field sports countryside community, what you do yeah. is, uh, well, I mean, to some extent, it's a bit of a dying art. That is, that is, especially in the manner that I do it. You know, it, it's it's like I get across on me demos and me writing, it's, it is a different ball game i've just seen you at the uh at the royal highland show over in edinburgh this weekend i didn't actually know you were going to be there so we bumped into each other kind of by mistake when i was wandering around and i caught i think i think maybe the last 15 minutes of your of your demo but what i was amazed by was actually how enthused i mean you had quite a crowd the, yeah, on the yeah. demo that i that i bumped into you at. Yeah. How enthused everyone was, and they were just—they were. I, I would guess, I would hazard a guess that the vast majority of the people standing around that ring <laughs> while you were explaining what you do probably didn't do very much in the countryside. No. I, I doubt very much whether they were shooters, but they were no. enthused by it. Byron put up a picture on Instagram. There must have been at least two hundred people around mm. The, mm. the arena. Yeah, it, it's that's what it's for. You know, it's not about telling people how to catch rabbits. It's letting them know why we catch rabbits. Because you're telling a story the and, whole time. And, and, and being accountable. In fact, it was just what was happening at the film festival. It, it, it's being accountable for every action, answering the moral dilemma of taking an animal's life, not wasting it, knowing what to do with it, and, and saying, well, if we don't do it, then this will happen. And uh, funnily enough, I, I've had, at the Royal Highland, on one of the days, I had some in-depth conversations with some vegans. Hmm. And the uh, and a lot of people were expecting them to get a little bit narky about it, but they they weren't because the problem is is when you look at their world, like I pointed out to them, and we were, this is what we were talking about, they've got a higher body count for their diet than I have for mine because of how they're making fields bigger. They're taking hedgerows out, they are uh, taking habitats away, and then on top of that, I'm protecting their food yeah which isn't necessarily on my half it's for them and uh we were just having the crack about food and 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 what happens to the rabbits and why and they were loving it because the thing is i'm not 
shoving it down people's throats saying you've got to like us. I, I, I don't care if people like it or not. You know, it's not it's not for me to do that. My job in that arena is to let them form an opinion and then they can do what they want with that opinion. You know, but at least they are given the chance to form an opinion as opposed to being told what to say and think. And I think that's happening a lot nowadays. People are being told what to think, especially with social media, and they should just go out, make your own mind up. Yeah, you have to be given the tools to make your own decision rather than have it have it forced upon you. For especially for our uh, foreign listeners, because many of them will probably not even know what the hell it is that we're talking about when we say ferreting or rabbiting. Explain what it is that you do. Like your your day, well, apart from being at shows and, and demoing, your sort of day to day job. Basically, my day to day job is is I am. Uh, some people class it as a professional ferreter. Some people say it's a warner, which I don't really like that because it's not true. Warreners were people that raised rabbits and protected them from two and four-legged foxes, not caught rabbits. So I'm just a rabbit controller, but 80% of my work is ferritin. I do a lot of shooting, a lot of trapping, but it's ferritin. So to put it into an easier context, I use ferrets, what in America are massive pets, uh, but we use them in this country in the form they were domesticated for, which is to flush the rabbits out. And then we use a few different types of net to catch the rabbits. And then we dispatch them humanely. And then all the rabbits are graded and then go into food. So what we do is a very ancient way of, of catching and harvesting rabbits. But because they're untouched, we get pristine meat for the marketplace. And... There's a few things that can go wrong, which is why we now have electronic collars on the ferrets so we know where they are. We use synthetic fibres for the nets so they don't rot. We've all, I mean, you boys must know, we've got better clothing, better headwear, base layers, boots. Um, we know what the weather's going to be doing in advance. We, we're just better equipped. But the one thing that has changed and is the laws of field craft. You know, even though, we're living in a tech, uh, a gadget-filled world. Fieldcraft is still the most basic thing I need to do my job properly. You've got to be quiet. You've got to learn about your environment, what the animals are doing, what to do if it goes wrong, what to do if it's going really wrong. And, and then you've got to get the animals right. And the ferret being a very small mustelid is what some people portray as being a a pet nowadays more than a working animal and because of that I've got to make very um, in-depth appraisals of all the breeding because I've got to keep a very high prey drive in my ferrets as well as keep a social skill so I can handle them and they're going to be good around the dogs and people so and that's taken time because all the old boys like were ferreting and rabbiting and kept cracking ferrets and didn't worry about show fads and fancies Unfortunately, they're all dying off. So getting good ferrets as fresh blood is getting harder because a lot of people have good ferrets. A lot of people have cracking ferrets. They're cracking when they go out one day a week. Try taking them out three days a week over six months. Then it just takes it to a different plane. You need and an athlete. You do, that and that's why you have a squad. That's why you, you're breeding... Bigger ferrets, smaller ferrets, ferrets that'll last the distance, ferrets that'll kill quicker, ferrets that don't kill. 
And then wherever you're working, I've then got to decide which bunch of ferrets I'm going to use. And the only way I learn is by getting it wrong, making mistakes. So yeah. who, who did you have to teach you? No, nobody. Nothing? Nobody. So what made you pick it up then? I grew up in the middle of Teesside. I'm a borough boy. Uh, my parents, my dad, he worked for British Steel. So in the 80s when that shut down, he moved to Suffolk. And that's when I started ferreting. And as a young lad, I left school at 15. So I'm not academically blessed. I have trouble speaking, have trouble writing. And then I just loved the countryside. I was always out in the countryside, loved watching birds, wildlife. And, and my mind just clicked with ferreting. So when I first got ferrets, I must have been about 13, 14, there was a, a local farmer that took us out on the, the one dairy farm we had in the area. And even then, I used to drive him nuts because I just wouldn't let it go. You know, if we saw a rabbit run in, there was just, no, come on, let's do, no, I want that rabbit. That, <laughs> that one. That one. Yeah. I see one go in, it's got to come out. And and you just learn about how to keep the ferrets. They're all keeping them in little cages and feeding them rubbish. And I'd build this massive, great big run in my mum's garden. You know, I'd she be must have loved that. Well, yeah, the neighbours, <laughs> they really loved that one. And then you you were feeding them better and, and then you were looking at, what other people were doing it. And you've got to remember what people forget is back then there was no internet. No, you couldn't we, Google it. No, you couldn't. We we were using telephone boxes <laughs> and landlines and, and people can't associate with that now. And the books that were out weren't the best because they were written by academics, not ferreters, people who could write. Uh, and that's why like all the photos weren't the best because they all had cameras where you had to take them into Wazda and pay your money and, and get them three days later to find out they're all out of focus. <laughs> so the world is a completely different place. So when I started ferreting, it was make mistakes. If you, d if you don't correct them mistakes, then you're just going to keep making them. So you, you learn to correct them. Whereas nowadays you can correct a mistake in seconds going on YouTube and, and, and the problem is with that, a lot of people think they know a subject until you put them under a bit of pressure and then you realise... Because they that, haven't developed it, they've learnt it, but haven't yeah, necessarily developed yeah. it. Yeah, and they haven't got that instinctive gut feeling, you know, like when sometimes in the winter I don't want to get out of bed and it's a very dark place because you know you've got a week from hell and nobody can associate with that because they all want to... Uh, and like I, I, when I grew up, I wanted, I wanted to catch rabbits for a living. That's all I wanted to do. Even when I worked for other people, all I wanted to do was catch rabbits for a living. Catch rabbits for a living. And everybody said, you'll never do it. Yeah, but that's that's the tea side of me. Tell me I can't do something. And you'll do it. And I'm going to do it. And um, and it come to the point where I had to make a decision. You know you know what it's like. You you meet somebody, you buy a house, you got to be responsible, you got to be an adult. Mm. And... That crossroads, uh, I I made the decision. Then there's, I'm a firm believer even now that there's two things you can't argue with: fate and genes. And you can't argue with it. Sometimes we turn left. We should have turned right, but because we turned left, something's magical's happened. That's fate, you know. And it's hard to know what would have happened if you changed that. Yeah, act. I mean, you look back now, and and I'm sort of asked, what would have it. What would have happened if you just stayed working for people? I'd have had a lot more money. 
probably be more secure. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had the life and the experiences that I have now. So it happens for a reason. Yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely. And how, how many how many ferrets do you have now? I normally keep at least twenty five. Uh, this year it's going up to thirty because I've kept a lot of last year's boys or hubs back and had them castrated because I tend to work a lot later on in the year than sport and ferreting. Whereas uh, the sport and ferreting, they don't want to do themselves out of next year's rabbits, which is fair enough. So they stop basically when youngsters arrive or it gets too warm. But this is how I pay for my mortgage and, and I, I provide for my daughter and, and, and my other half. So you don't have no choice. You know, you it may not be the given thing to go out ferreting in the middle of June in a garden when there's loads of baby rabbits running about. But when it's your job, it's your job. And if I don't do it, then somebody else will. So you've got to alter how you operate and also your ethics to a degree because you've got to think a little bit more clinical. You know, a rabbit's a rabbit. It's, it's, it's not a sport and pastime no more. You know, this is serious business. So you've got to think like that. And that's why I love me UFC. I love me football <laughs> yeah. because their mindsets are very similar. You know, and, and, and the football one is, is, is so uncannily running on the same tracks. You know, our seasons are longer. There's pressure. You need a squad. You know, not every member of your team is going to work in every situation. And then you chuck into that the mindset of, 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 of one of my idols, Conor McGregor. And he was told he couldn't do it. He's had everybody battering him down. And even now when he's not had good press... He's still bouncing back. He's still bouncing back. So when he gets in the octagon against the Russian, and yeah, he beats I was him, say, he's fighting against uh, yeah, him. Um, uh, you obviously have faith he's going to win. And, and 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 because he's got a coach behind him who is fantastic, and he'll look at the weaknesses of somebody who people don't reckon has got weaknesses. So like when I'm looking at a job, and it's it's a huge warren or or there's lots of rabbits, I'm sat there thinking where they're coming in from, where they're going out to, where to start and how to break up their pattern. Because even though they're a wild survivor, the rabbits are very predictable in what they do. Their, their hierarchy is predictable. So if, if I go into a big place and there's lots of rabbits, I'll start at a certain place because I know once I've done that area, I've broken the reservoir of them moving back in. And then once you've done that, you just crack on and then they're not going to, not, you're not getting the movement back in. What's the, the longest single job that you've undertaken? Because I'm thinking about some of the rabbit places that we well, have we, up here, which we are had, just rammed. We had them. a little drive around last night. You know, there they may be miles of rabbit fencing going up round here. There may be hundreds of drop boxes going in. Um, and the, one of the biggest ones I did was I did in a, in a, a farm, and I can't call it a stake because they were contract farms. They did 10,000 acres. And... Funny enough, they walked past me stand at a game fair at Blenheim and they got one of the cards. They go, we've got one or two problems, rabbits. So I said, yeah, I'll come down and have a look. And the farm manager, and it was 10,000 acres, and the farm manager took us for a drive around during the day. And this is a keeper shoot, um, high-value veg, onions, um, carrots, wheat, barley, 
not so much sugar beet, a lot of mustard before the potatoes, but it was the onions they were worried about because rabbits were mullering the onions. And the, um, and there was rabbits everywhere. So I just sat there and I said, yep, no problem. Four years, won't be here. And he started laughing. Yeah, yeah, we've had everybody on and here. You can't do this, can't do that. So now four or five years, I won't be here. And every time we, I was going there, we were ferreting 40s and 50s and 60s, trapping and shooting a lot. But because they had a nucleus of where they were and where they were leaching out to, once that was done, the rest of them were easy. And over, I think I did manage to eke into my fifth year, but the rabbits went down from possibly five or 6,000 rabbits off that land down to hundreds. And then once it got to a level where the keeper could take care of it, then you're not there no more. So, so you, it's it's a strange scenario because I was just going to say for you to do a good job, you have to do yourself out of a job. You do, you do, and this is this is why you need the mindset. Yeah. Because if you're crap, if you're rubbish, yeah. you get the sack. If you're good, <laughs> you get your P forty five. Now, to a lot of people, it's the same thing. Yeah. But when you get your P forty five, or what used to be the P forty five. You get a glowing recommendation with that. When you get the Tic Tac, you don't get a glowing recommendation with that. So you're always striving to do your best because if you do your best and you do a good job, then people will always remember you. So like when I'm at a show or when I'm I'm, I'm poking about at the Suffolk show I did the other week, I saw a gentleman who has a game farm on Aldborough on the Suffolk coast. I did his game farm 12 years ago. And he come up and he, he the first words I were, still got one or two rabbits running about. And I turned around and that was him. <laughs> and he goes, but I can shoot them from the balcony. Because again, he remembers these rabbits going. And it's not a case of being better. It's thinking about it differently and being more thorough. So what I've learned from coming through all these years of, of seeing people traveling around the country, and, and learning from people and then the invention of the internet which is a good and a bad thing but at least you can learn and, and you can you can pick people's brains quickly then you just you just get your own little methods of doing it and and then that goes on to your technology and and you, you know we were using night vision before night vision thermals and we just it's just different but on the ferreting, which is what I still love to do now, it's still very passionate about me ferreting. It's just the mindset. So if, if, if there's one thing that separates me from me 10 years ago, which is a completely different beast, I would say it's the mindset because you need that will to succeed. It's It's almost hard to believe that today in the sort of modern landscape that we live in, that there is still a role for a full-time rabbit color, which mm. is essentially what you yeah. are. I, you hear the old stories of the the old boys back eighty years ago who used to make a living catching, yeah. you know, yeah. catching rabbits. Or I was actually speaking to somebody just the other day. I think it was the, the farmer uh, near where I live, and he was talking about an old rabbit catcher, and he had built this house off the savings from. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, this was actually in New Zealand. And the old rabbit catcher there had uh, bought a farm off the back of his, his yeah. the money from catching rabbits, and you kind of think of these as stories that have you know are way in the past, but there is still a place today for a well, rabbit even catcher. even now, 
if you were somewhere where there's lots of rabbits, like just say for six months, I was sucked up from Suffolk, brought up to here and spat out, you could probably make enough from rabbits to pay for everything. But life doesn't go like that because just because there's lots of rabbits doesn't mean you're going to necessarily catch lots of rabbits, but you may kill lots of rabbits. And that is the difference. You know, you can't, nowadays, sometimes the animals may kill them underground. You're not catching them, you're killing them. There's a difference. And then because you're not catching them or harvesting them, you can't sell them on. So, so that, that's obviously, it's a very important part of your business then, I assume, the selling on of the, carcasses. The, the selling on's a bit of a Brucey bonus. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's something that is, is, I can't catch enough at home to match the supply I can get rid of because there's, there's a lot of people, individuals what buy them and they prepare them and sell them on. There's, there's restaurants um, and then there's dealers and the dealers are now putting the prices up because of disease and, and more efficient ways of controlling them in modern life. We've just not got the rabbits in huge numbers in all the areas we used to. So we can still have enough to cause a problem but not necessarily enough to take to the game dealer every day. Do you find that people are eating them here in this country or are a lot of them going abroad? A lot of them, the deal, dealer-wise, they go abroad, I think. France, Poland, Czechoslovakia and, and, and all across there. The In this country, there's a lot more than we realise eat it. But the problem is they don't want a lot. So if you want to supply a butcher, he'll be happy with 10 a week. Yeah. You know, well, that's no good to me. <laughs> so then you've got to go to the dealer. Or, or I have all these little people all over the place. And one of the beauties of social media is if I'm working 60, 70 miles away, the other end of Suffolk, the game dealers know where I am. And I get, I get them all on, on Twitter oh, messaging really? me. If you're down <laughs> in this part, Paul, buy, we'll buy your rabbits off you. Amazing. And then that pulls in work because recently one of them he said, oh, the cricket club's got a problem. Well, we'll sort that out. When you sort that out, we'll have your rabbits. So, in one way, social media is great for that because you can you can just get rid of them because because of how modern life is. The game dealers where we are all shut. They've all shut down basically. We've got one uh, one very good one, but that's thirty miles away. So you imagine you need a lot of animals to take there to and back, just even to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's a problem. But, but as I said, luckily, it's it's not too bad because you're not, over the whole season, catching masses and masses and masses. Yeah, you may be ferreting 20s, 30s, 40s, maybe 50s or 60s when you start off. But that's not going to happen all the while because on a lot of the land I do now, they remember the bad days, so they don't want to go back. No, so they so, can sort of keep you topping. Keep so I'm working harder for less rabbits, but they still want you there. And... And at the end of the day, where I was younger and I just wanted to kill everything and catch everything, you know what it's like. Now, you've got to think about it. It's, it's yeah, you're working harder, but it's still a wage. So that's what you've got to think about. It's not it's not about numbers. It's that percentage and getting that money at the end of the day so you can pay the mortgage and, you know, clove everybody. Uh, are, there, are, there, are there many of you around the country? Two. Is that it? As far as I know, people... Solely relying on rabbits. Yeah. Not, I'm not on about dull money. 
working in a chicken factory or being a pest controller, there's two, to my knowledge. Wow. And that is me and a friend of mine, Ed Cook, from Hampshire. And Ed, like me, he's diverse. So he does rabbit fencing and drop boxes, as well as what he does with his rabbit control. Whereas I have taken a little journey into the media world. Yeah. So it's still rabbit-oriented, and it's still rabbits. Um, and and we both need to do what we do to be able to do that work. So if I didn't ferret and do what I do, I'd just feel a bit of a charlatan if I was stood there saying, no, I'm this and I'm that, like a lot of people do. I've seen a lot of demonstrations, I'm this and I'm that, and they drive forklifts all week. So, But they're only kidding themselves. Mm. Oh, you, so yeah. you're a rarity that we have sitting in the yeah. office today. And this, One of and two this people is, in the country. And this is what sort of, to my knowledge, it's like even even like my friend Martin. You know, he was a rabbit catcher on the estate, mm. but only for six months of the year, because they've got other things other to, do, to do, other yeah. jobs to do. Now, in a way, I wish it was easier like that because you can plan your budgets. You know, and and, and this is one of the things that everybody who works for themselves finds out that you know the drop of a hat, an email or a phone call, your budget, what you thought you had, might not even be there. Which is <laughs> why... Plans change all the time. Yeah, yeah. so which is why I'm not, I'm not too chuffed about diseases and, and, and peaks and flaws and what's happening. But the um, the thing I'm trying to raise awareness now, which is which is why the time was right to do the book, is I read, see and watch about all these rare arts and crafts, you know, the reedsmen, the... the the reed cutters, the thatchers, there's hundreds of them. There's me and Ed, and yet. So it really is a dying art. It I mean, is when a dying I said art. it earlier, I kind of said it in you know a it little bit without knowledge, but it is a dying art. There's thousands of people doing it for sport and go ferreting and do very well, and they're very good. Good. Some of them knock the socks off me, you know, because they they've just got that enthusiasm you get of doing it one day a week. They have that Friday feeling at work. They know they're going out on the Saturday or the Sunday. Short bursts. Yeah, Short, yeah, bursts. Yeah, short bursts. I've got to grind it out. So like football, it can't all be Brazil in a beautiful game. Mm. Sometimes it's got to be pig ugly to get the result. <laughs> and that is your mindset again. And that and that's why, you know, going back to the UFC, uh, John Kavanagh, who is, he, he, he is superb at what he does, he will find a weakness. Conor McGregor has a weakness. He's got no stamina. Yeah, yeah he shows you know? that time and time yeah. again. Yeah. And, and so they will find a weakness. And then if it all goes according to plan, that weakness will be what the Russians got there, his chin, and how he sticks it out. Because if he takes him on his ground game, he's lost. When is that fight? Is it August? No, sure. it's not signed yet, but they reckon it's going to be October time. Because uh, I was wondering if it was going to be soon enough for us to already know the result before the podcast going yeah, out. No, no, it, it, it's... I think... Well, in the, in the wilder world, it's not been confirmed. But looking at all the Instagram pictures and the work he's doing with Dillian Danis and all this, who's a jiu-jitsu champion, he's not doing that just to keep himself ticking over. You know, this is how my mind work. He's doing that for a reason. So, and Kavanagh keeps dropping all these hints. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're in now in the end of June. I wouldn't be surprised with before July's out, you know, they're either going to do something in Russia, which would be huge. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, you, that'd be like, that'd be like Rocky Six. You know, I mean, <laughs> you imagine the Irish going over to Russia and, and, uh, uh, 
you know, McGregor would probably get locked up. He'd, he'd, he'd be in he'd be in stone wall somewhere for six months, but more than likely it'll be in Vegas. I would imagine with the Vegas, uh, yeah, Vegas because yeah, they, so. they can handle it. Yeah, if his court case goes according to plan. Oh yeah, I, I, is that all still to come out in the but wash? It, it, in, that's got all quiet. So you guys very quiet. But but I've I, I watch uh, I've I watched the ser- series uh, Suits, and if anyone hasn't watched it, it's just about lawyers yeah. in, in New York. And from what I've watched from that TV series, everything can be fixed with money in America. <laughs> so as long no, as you as be, long as you're willing to pay yeah. someone enough money to go away, and he's got quite it, a bit of cash. He's got a bit of cash. <laughs> I think he'll pay everybody. Enough what they want in the well, uh, well that was in the bus, yeah. At the time. He'll, he'll just pay it, it yeah. may cost him five million, ten million. He's gonna get that easy if he fights, if he fights over there, yeah. So, well, he just has to do one fight, he'll make it back. Yeah. And in fact, the interest because how much did he make on the last fight? It was, just, oh, it was, it was a silly amount, wasn't it? I wish, I wish Rabbit was at least <laughs> <laughs> there. There is the dissimilarity with you, yeah. I know, yeah. The, the thing is, for for like a hundred million or however much it was, I would go and the the ring with Floyd Mayweather yeah, and, and take the risk of dying for a hundred million. I don't think Mayweather you would die because he's he's like. <laughs> I, I watched that. I was disappointed in that fight, and I watched it because I thought McGregor would go in there. Have you ever watched that? Um, um, oh, what's his name? The uh, Bellator fighter who's fighting for David here, MVP. MVP. Uh, what I, I did. I saw the David recently. Yeah, the most recent one. I did see that fight. Yeah. Uh, not David here, but he, he's he's manager of a, a Bellator MMA fighter. What is started boxing? Something VP, really tall Londoner, and he boxes on the karate stands, and nobody can get near him because he's bouncing backwards and forwards. And I thought McGregor would do that versus Mayweather, but he didn't, did he? He went in there and tried to beat him at his own game. So, and then the stamina come in, you see. So. Yeah, there he, you go. His jaw was dragging on the floor by the end. Yeah, uh, everyone thought kind of. I mean, McGregor had youth on his side, but Mayweather had the experience. Experience, of- yeah. He, 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 I mean, I'm amazed it went. That was a spectacle. That was born, born belief. I was on the showground when it happened, and I we we dived out to a friend's to watch it live because I didn't want to watch it high because it was just a momental. You know, I wanted to, to watch it. Whatever you think of it, and whatever you make of the build up. As a kind of a sporting spectacle and uh, an exercise in hype building, yeah. it was masterful. Oh, it was superb! Oh, yeah. It was absolutely. I mean, what, even when you've got like AJ fighting, he doesn't go around the world filling football stadiums full of people. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. And all they were was chucking a few insults at each yeah. other, and, and it was you like knew what was going to happen. Comedy, wasn't it? The, the, <laughs> the build-up must have made them probably more money than. The, the well, fight did itself. Well, they probably made more money in the build-up than most fighters make in their fights. Yeah, yeah, and that was so hilarious because you just it was just getting better and better. And um, the, the the one thing the Americans know how to do, and that is how to advertise. Every single thing is sponsored, yeah. and that's the thing I like, always makes me laugh about the the UFC because I watch the UFC as well whenever there's a fight on. Um, you know, even even the slow motion and the clock is sponsored yeah. by someone. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're missing a trick. Yeah. That is, yeah. No, yeah, yeah the, the, the it's like this fight replay is brought to you by CBS something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and every angle, yeah. every angle's got advertising. Yeah. So wherever, even if they're looking up on the on the bottom of the banners and the the cushions are on the octagon, it's all sponsored. So if even if you're looking up, you know <laughs> the, the sponsors there. It's unbelievable. And Jeez. and and the the spot like Harley Davidson sponsors a lot. You always see that on the the floor of the, the octagon. I I would love to know how many Harleys. 
they buy people buy off the back of that. But then again, I, I guess a lot of advertising you can never really you can never place engage it. Can it you? But I guess, especially with you know, UFC does probably have a very loyal. Uh, you know, viewership mm. and people that go. So I think people they are loyal to the people that support their and the companies. Yeah. The, the, the companies. So maybe I wonder, I wonder if I'll take off a fair. I saw a nice Mercedes Crew cab at the show the other day. That'd be quite nice to drive around the shores in one of them. Yeah. I saw I saw the first one of those on the road recently, and I'm just not quite sure who's going to buy them. No. No, I don't think it's going to be a rabbiting. Are they more expensive than no. Hilux? Oh, I, th- I think yeah, they yeah, are. Well, I don't know. You know, I think they are more expensive are, than Hilux. Yeah. yeah. They only had a lease price on it there, and that was at least a hundred pound a month more than Hilux. Yeah. Oof. So you can imagine. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the estates will probably signing up signing to replace up their uh, yeah, yeah re- the, the high luxes with them. Yeah, could you imagine the servicing and the the parts on on that? Uh, but, and here's the sad reality of it. And I, I know this from speaking to uh, a guy about a year ago, before just when they released the fact they were bringing that out. Is it's not even a Mercedes? No, it's a Mercedes flaring and stuff, but it's not their engine. It's not their drive shaft. Well, they reckon it's. it's the chassis of a devourer. I think that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, I, it's, I it's put, a Renault engine. I put a picture on Insta- <laughs> Instagram. Well, yeah. well, everybody's like, don't get one of them. Don't get, you know, yeah. as if, as if, as I'm if like, you were going to. I'm going to go out there, me driving around in my rebuilt Nissan Navara, you know. Did your did your engine go in that at some point in the yeah. past? Because yeah. they all, the only reason I asked that is because they all do. <laughs> the engine went where well, the big ends yeah. went. That went, the transfer box, the gears, the shaft, the brakes. So it's a little uh, bit like Trigger's broom then. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've like uh, rebuilt it. And then it got to a point where I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm just, I might as well just Keep run it, it to the ground. Because when I had a couple of new trucks, they, uh, I was always frightened of scratching them. Mm. You know, but whereas I'm driving through hedges and I'm driving down alleyways where all the, the trees are scratching. Yeah. You. Whereas with this thing, you know, until it goes, touch you're not, wood. You're not too worried. I'm not too, I'm not, I'm not too fussed about it, you know, because... It gets you from A to B. Yeah. Well, you need a practical vehicle, the kind of stuff yeah. that you're doing in the places. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a work vehicle. It is a work vehicle. <laughs> you can tell that just by the, the amount of delves on it. And <laughs> How did you make your crossover from being just full-time rabbit catcher to the journalist angle? Where, where did that come? Because that's, uh, that's where I knew you from. Yeah. Like years the, ago. The... I started basically the shows. Again, somebody said, you can't do it. And the, uh, I, I went to a, uh, a local agricultural show, the Norfolk show, and the, uh, there was somebody demonstrating ferritin. Didn't know his right foot from his left. You know. So you but, thought, I can do that. And I, and, and I was speaking to somebody and said, I can do that. And they all started laughing at me. <laughs> I'm going to do that. So I started, I went up to the BFSS as it was then. Uh, it was Lieutenant Colonel Johnny K or something, and that was really the old-style school BFSS. So it shows you how long that was. And I said, can I come on your stand and just show me ferrets, let people know what ferrets are? Yeah, brilliant. So I started that and got a few pictures up. And then a few shows said, well, do you fancy doing a little bit of that in the arena? So I said, yeah, I fancy some of that. And again, it was Newmarket Race Day. Uh, it was a countryside race day. Unbeknown to me, Channel 4 were live. My first ever demo I ever did was in the parade ring at Newmarket Racecourse, live on Channel 4 Racing. Start Leslie, Leslie Graham come up, 
And she goes, can I pick one of your ferrets up? And I go, yeah, this is all on live, been interviewed, done a demo, absolutely bricking it. She picks this big black polecat hob up, half strangling it. And you could tell this ferret weren't happy. It was on live TV. So I had like, like negotiate and take that offer and just calm it down. And then that was the demos. And then, but I was still working for a pest control company and taking holidays to do stuff. And then, as I said, it come to a stage in my life through other pressures of life, I had to decide what I wanted to do. You know, do you give up on your dreams and follow the safe route? Or do you uh, take a risk and follow your dreams? And look, I've got fantastic over half jewels. Been together 30 years this year. Wow, that's a rare thing these uh, days. And, and she is a brick. And she just went, go for it. Give you a couple of years, go for it. If it doesn't work, at least you tried. And then once the shows found out I was doing it, then they all were coming on board and the demonstrations when I started were very stagnant and stale and there weren't a lot of props. But then again, you look at other things. I was looking at other demonstrations, you and remote control stuff and not bungee ropes. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's got to do that. And then I was looking how people were talking and, and just how they use body language and go around the ring. And I'd look at um, comedians and, and people who could, just like talk about complete crap, <laughs> but they'd hold an audience and yeah, you'd, 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 you'd be engrossed by it. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it just got, it it just went off on this mad tangent. And then uh, I think it was a shoot and use. No, it must have been the Country Women's Weekly then. So can you do a few articles? And as I said, I, I, I hardly went to school. So I started my biggest battle of, of, of my life of, of writing because in my mind, I know what I want to say, but my writing was like one sentence is and therefore a piece of paper. So that is a whole new skill I've had to learn. And then come the chance to write for who I've write for now, the shooting times. And again, I just could not pass it up. So I had to raise my game. I had to uh, make sure there was good pictures, good content. But because it's what I do, there's a bit of a foundation to me writing. So it may not necessarily be jolly ho chaps and all this, or it may not be uh, wax lyrically about fishing on this river and under this moonlight. But reading between the lines is all information because what you see is what's actually happened. So when we go out and we don't catch as many rabbits as we expected, that is going to be in the article because people love reading about you're not doing as well as you're doing as well. Um, and that is progressed further to when the chefs want to go out on TV to catch rabbits. I'm there with them. So I've took most of them out. I've been behind the scenes. And one particular experience with one particular chef led me then to start filming. So, Oh, really? So you enjoyed the experience, obviously? Uh, no. No, you didn't no, enjoy it? No, no, no. Because uh, many years ago, we were going to feed Gordon Ramsay in the F-word restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, production company Optimum come out to do a, a screen test. So there's a lot of emails going on and they come out and they arrive in this blacked out uh, space cruiser thing. You know, it's April. I didn't really want to go ferreting, but you, you want to do it for the profile, for the coverage. And that's, that's what I was laughing about when you put on there about you can do it for your exposure. This is one of the times when exposure would have worked. Yeah, yeah. 
and and uh, and they come out and they were in shorts and and they just it, cameras held together with duct tape. I was like, oh, come on, boys, let's go in the pub and grab a cappuccino. And I opened a laptop up and I said, this is what we're going to do. And they're like looking at each other, all three of them going, you know, this ain't a, a bumpkin and bib and braces with Berlin twine and a ferret dangling out of his duds. You know, he's, he's like, he knows a little bit what, we're going, what we want. So I said, we'll go up there, lights, white, sun's coming up, no wind, get the rabbits out, we'll show you what you want. Got some lad here to lay some long nets, we'll do the ferrets lovely half an hour will be done and they were like oh a hair's going to come out of these holes there's no hairs there's no hair's <laughs> going to come out oh is this and then they just didn't have no clue so anyway we did it and they uh they were asking all questions and, and that was good but then they went away and there was all emails and we set a date and i designed a ferret cam this thermal this night vision ferret cam for them told them how to do it i said you know and, and just basically set it up on a plate for them being all naive and young, just set up on a plate for them. And then come the night before they were due to come up, they said, no, we're not coming. And I said, oh, that's unfortunate. Why is that? Oh, well, we're going to Kent. So, oh, fair enough. And so I said, well, who do I send me invoice to? <laughs> what do you mean, what invoice? For all this time, was just who do I send the invoice? Come, we're not paying that. I said, well, no, come on, you will be paying for it. So I used the Data Protection Act and got them to send me all the information of what they were doing. And they uh, they were just getting the information off me, setting up down there. What happened in reality, oh, I now know, because I know the lads that took them out, and they, uh, they caught two rabbits, whereas we would have caught 60. They couldn't feed a restaurant, which was the plan. They struggled to feed his boy. And I'm glad I didn't get to meet Ramsey, because they just what I know about him now is just that, it just wouldn't have clicked because he comes over all this big intimidating bloke. That's not going to work against a lad from Teesside. So it could have <laughs> well, been, there you go, it could have been the quite scenes. interesting. But that, that caught, that gave me the bug of, you know what? There's mileage in this. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's why we start little YouTube films of me shooting times article. I do a little film and, and, Film Festival. Film Festival, off. which is the only time you'll see me speechless. <laughs> Yeah, so do you do, do you do, um, you don't do a film for every article in the Shooting Times, do you? Mainly, yeah. What, yeah. every week? Uh, no, I, I do an article once a month. Okay, you're not, so, so, so Shooting Times is a weekly publication, but you do Yeah, once I, a month. I do it once okay, a month, yeah. yeah. So what I try and do, I haven't done for the last two because we've, we've been around the country, but what I try and like to do is do a piece of what I'm doing, I can get the pictures sorted out, and I'm blessed with some uh, great photographers around me, and then... I'll do some filming. Mm-hmm. And the the problems we were finding was you, you start off with your GoPro, nice little camera, put it on a tripod, as you boys probably find out. And then you look at it and you go, I'm not happy with that. So then the money pit opens up and you try and progress and so get this it is better. just your drive for perfection, clearly, <laughs> which, I, is, which I can see is. in the way that you tackle your, your job is. as it a Some people say I've got OCD, <laughs> which I probably have because... I opened that book, I spotted a little print error. Not a, a, Simon's pointing to his own book, which, which, which we we're going to get to. Come to. Uh, <laughs> uh, not, not, you know, and everyone, don't worry, don't worry about it. But, but I know it's I know it's there. Yeah. And you would nobody'll notice it. But I know it's there. And it's like when we when we're we're, we're doing stuff, I'll do a demo and people go, Oh, it's brilliant, Simon. No. No. I missed these words out. And and I think that's what gets me through 
to become or try and do what I want to do because I think if you don't have that, then you become stuck in the mud and 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 yeah, and it never really moves forward. Yeah. You, and you definitely need a drive to continue to try and uh, improve what you do. Yeah. A, from a personal point of view, and 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 with a with with a film and it, it's like that, and and with the writing, it's like that. And yes, you're going to hit a glass ceiling because, as I said, I'm not the most educated in the world. Maybe the most enthusiastic, and that somehow gets you through. But I think it's if you do what you do, and you're honest. I think people like that. I think I think people if, if, like if, and when people see me at game fairs, they oh, they're always oh, a grumpy, you know, he never smiles. Well, you probably wouldn't if you stand in that tent and listen to what I listen to. But then again, that's only a small percentage. You know, you meet fantastic people, you make great friendships, you go out with people, uh, and it's it, it's great just for broadening your horizon because you'll see something, and you'll think, I can I can use that. I'll twist it, tweak it. And so it's it, it's a great it's a great kaleidoscope of everything in society and sports and and everything else, and it just helps you get along. So yeah, it's it's different. We've mentioned the the film festival a couple of times in the in the conversation over the last forty five minutes or so, and people who listen to the podcast will have probably heard us mention it over the last six months. And it is in fact the same film festival, which was our film festival, which we ran at the Northern Shooting Show. And uh, Simon was one of I'm one of the winners. Have we put the speeches out on the podcast? Yet? Yeah, yeah, the speeches are up. Speeches, I, it's, yeah. it's I can never yeah they remember as like a second yeah podcast. I can never remember uh, all the shows. Tell tell me a little bit about. We obviously we released to the world. Please enter the the film festival. But you were you were one of the first to tell us I'm going to be entering that. I'm putting. I want to get it right, but I, I'm entering the film festival. I'll make sure I've got it by the date. What was your kind of thinking at the time? Because it's a slightly different type of uh, mindset and film than you put together for your monthly. Yeah, output. that was completely different. It, it it's, it's yes, you 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 boys. You lit that flame of everlasting debt <laughs> right? because the uh, when when you because you watch stuff you know you 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 do stuff you watch stuff you 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 think oh you know and then this film festival was announced your film festival and you think right yeah I'm going in for that but it's got to be different and then the difference was there was a lot of I thought about what I wanted to do. I did a big storyboard, grew, drew all these little pictures, what I've kept, what are so funny, it's unbelievable, but that was the storyboard. Uh, a friend of mine, Darren Rogers, he helped me with a film, and it was superb. He's great on the quadcopter. He's very uh, driven like me. So, you know, he built he built this artificial rabbit warren. and You built an artificial he, he, rabbit warren? Uh, Darren built this section of an artificial... So all the rabbits under the ground yeah. was in an artificial rabbit warren. That's unbelievable. We he did, he he sorted the IR light out, uh, so we could use it without having white out. We put these three cameras on and 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 did that, and all the rabbits that went through that, they were then released on his farm because I'm I'm being repopulating the rabbits on his farm because they've died back. Every year they get mixy, so what I've been doing is repopulating it with fresh rabbits to get over it, and it's been working. They've not been getting mixy, so he he has an equestrian centre as well as a small farm. So it's not a crop farm. It's it's um, it's an equestrian centre. That's a beautiful place. There you go. There is management in its like best form right there. You, know. you like recognise that the rabbit numbers 
have been in obviously yeah. very well, bad decline, and now you're repopulating. I've, an area. I've been learning, learning a lot, and 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 when I did the research on this RHD, I'm gonna I'm gonna go along this autumn to learn and to teach people how to re-establish rabbits in areas where they've not been for years, because I recognise how to do it. You know, it's simple. It's simple. There's simple. But what you've got to do is just get the right rabbits in the right environment, and then the rest will happen. So when we did the film and we put the rabbits through, everybody thinks them rabbits ended up in the pot. They didn't. Them rabbits are still running about in the field and stuff. <laughs> because, you know, it's not, as I said, nowadays, it's not. We're not all bloodthirsty like people think we are. You know, it's it's about it is about everything conservation and and, and as well as control and everything You're else. Trying to find about. So when I did this this big uh, storyboard and and Darren built this this Warren and we we found out where I was going to do it, then I had to think how how to get my story across because it is all about food. So then luckily we were doing our bits with with the book. So then I said to Scott, I said when we come over, I've got to do this this and this because it's going to go in here. And then I just wanted people to be aware of how hard it can be. You know, it's an act. I mean, the, the stories I could tell you about depression and anxiety is unbelievable. But you need to go through them dark places to get to the good places. So when we were doing this film, we filmed it all. And it didn't quite go according to plan because um, our ones are very deep and I wanted more action. And then when I sat back, and I spoke to somebody, I then realised it's not the story of the film isn't, and it shouldn't be about the amount of rabbits. It's got to be about why and where they go. So I, we changed it. I, I flipped it mid, mid-winter and then got the, the footage together. And luckily, luckily, the day we went out to film the crux of it, the snow started to melt. And everything was built around, get your action first, all the other shots later. Got the action, all the snow melted. And I was like, you know, <laughs> stress levels have gone changed, through. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily, about a month later, we got a lot of snow. So I, I was out, I was, everybody was put aside. I'm out for three days. We're getting all bits and bobs done of snow. Yeah. Uh, and then the editing started. And the editing is another. Did you, you edit it yourself. Everything, everything was edited myself. Yeah. I, 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 Darren did a lot of the filming. I did a lot of the filming. Um, all the editing I do myself, so I've had to learn that complete from scratch, uh, which is a skill in itself. Oh, yeah. I, I admire anybody who can edit because you can make things brilliant, you know. But you, you need the foundation to be right. So it was all edited myself and. Some of it was madness because, like the bit where it goes in the eye. Yeah, that was. I thought it was very clever. We had to do lots of photographs at various bits to get it into my eye, and uh, so w- there was a lot of standing around and taking pictures, and then pasting all the pictures together, and then zooming in and cropping them. I and it was took about a day, a day to do that. Really, ten seconds. Well, Daryl and I both said to one another when we received your film and we watched it that I don't think anyone else had put in as much effort to make the film as a film festival. And genuinely, I don't, you know, as great as all the films were that that made the shortlist in the end, I don't think anyone else put in as much time in terms of planning and actually saying, right, I'm making a film for the film festival. Yeah. Well, this is is like what I said. You've got to play to your strengths. Now, you, 
the more films I look at now, it's not it's not about necessarily the quality of camera, which helps, but if it actually if you can portray the enthusiasm and passion of what you're doing, then that's going to sort of help you an advantage over somebody having you know twenty grand camera, you know, which it, sometimes it's not what it's about. So I'm, I'm it's everything what went into it. It was a it was a, a a a good process to learn because it's learned about storyboards, it's learned about this, it's learned about that. So, but the problem is, like what you're saying, is then that's now not good enough. You always gonna you always want to move I mean? on, that's, don't you? So that is that is the next challenge. Yeah, the next so challenge is going to be to try to try and do something next. Because you won, uh, you won one of the the MOTV Cash yeah, Awards. Yeah. So that that has kind of opened the door a little bit as to what do you want to do without having to dip into your own. That your own was, funds it's as like such. a money pit. It's because rabbit in it, it, it's it's not. It's not financially lucrative, which is probably why a lot of people don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, it's good, but it's not, you know, it's not the be all and end all. And then when you start wanting cameras and lenses and, yeah, and, we know and editing up. suites and yeah. computers. And I couldn't, as I said, I was completely shocked, you know, for a word, mm. speechless. And, but looking back on it now, it, it's helped me because I've now got a new computer, which is up to date to handle anything up to 4K and above very quickly. I'm now looking at an, a, a, a used camera to help me get more quality footage. And I wouldn't have been able to do that without that. So that That's has awesome. that has actually opened up a whole new world that wouldn't have been opened up. I'd have still been struggling on an old computer, which to a normal person is fantastic. Yeah, but, but we know, know you yeah. need a decent computer. Yeah. If you want to edit footage without... Well, I mean, it it takes about ten times as long. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Is it burns time if you don't have fast. Software. And 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 you can't get the transitions right, and it's just yeah. Uh, you well, know, that, but- I mean, that's awesome that you've said that because. I mean, that was the purpose of it. Yeah, it was the yeah. whole purpose of that. Those that series of awards. Because when that was, was to, when that was announced, it. I like shit. You know, what I mean, I, all these professional companies are coming in now. Because there is, it's not just, I mean, I was going in for it, aiming to be shortlisted, right? That was my aim. Just, if you can get some recognition and shortlisted, over the moon, mission accomplished. And when you see the quality and the people and everything else, what, you know, are gone in. And once a, a lucrative prize is announced, it's human nature to push. Yeah, you push a bit more. You yeah. know, and, but by that time, my film was already in. Mm. So... You know, I'm glad in a way I didn't have another month to to muck about with it, which yeah. I would have done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would have tweaked yeah. with it and 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 and, but the uh, it helped enormously because, as I said, you know, that's not money you've put aside for something else, and you're yeah. scraping to try and do stuff. That was like a beautiful present, which it was. Which did catch a bit of a cause a bit of a headache because then you're thinking, well, what can you do with it? It does. It sometimes <laughs> cause you more problems you know, because it's not it's not infinite, so you can't no, do everything. No, so you have to and decide. You, and, what and you're then you thinking, you then think, do you then just put it on a camera? Hmm. But for this much more, I can get that camera, <laughs> you know, or get this computer, and mm, yeah. for that much more. But in the end, I went no. I, I went in the computer shop and to a, a, a fellow what does me computers, and I went, I got this amount of money. Yeah. He knows exactly what I do. He's a photographer himself, so he knows what you the need. problems. Yeah. And he goes, yep, I'll do you this. 
and he did me this and the uh i'm now looking at cameras uh yeah that 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 film festival if if anybody thought that was a gimmick or it was just about this or that it wasn't it was the lad that won it was was just stoked and over the moon to win that money and and he's he's doing the same thing he's he's yeah. he's, he's gonna, busy trying to work out what yeah. he's spent on there. and 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 for me as i said i was completely speechless because i wasn't expecting it and it was a surreal moment where people read your name out and i was i was next to uh thinking from the yorkshire uh, oh you were next rob, to rob, I was yeah, next to rob at the yeah. front and the um you know it was like it was read out he's gone go on and i was like <laughs> what just you know so I, I give a quick nod to David from Field Sports on the way back because we've had some so much fun over the years yeah. and again he's another person who's been a source of inspiration and help yeah. and everything else and that's just a surreal it was just unbelievable and it wasn't until the next day till it really sunk in and I had to be back in Suffolk by four and I wish I could have hung about because I was speaking to Lucas a lot about rabbits and malt yeah. and, and, and and various other, but I just wish I could have stayed there. But it wasn't until then it sunk in. Yeah. You know, and people were taking the mick and that was quite good because, you know, I had Jeff Garrett on his knees taking the mick. And I was, oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff's but a it, good guy. But it's brilliant because yeah. at least, you know, you're getting appreciation for what you're doing. Ferriton's getting in a little bit more because at the end of the day, no matter what I want or what I want to achieve, you know, it, you've got to be doing it for the good of what you believe and, and what your philosophy is. My philosophy is getting people into ferreting, making ferreting that it's going to continue, you know, and, and they, uh, but it was, even now, it, you know, it still is a little bit weird. Because you know? one of the things that, uh, we did a podcast with Tyler Sharp from, from Modern Huntsman before the film festival and he helped us as part of the selection process once we had the shortlist. And he was saying that one thing that, uh, a lot of people don't appreciate is just having the opportunity to see a film that you have made in whatever form or whatever role you've played in, in making and producing a film on a big screen in a room full of people who are watching your film on the big screen. That's completely it, different. It's very different. Yeah. It's, it's very, very cool to, to do that and appreciate it is, it. It is, you sit there and you're watching it and, and you're thinking, well, I know what I was thinking, you know, definitions you know it's not the same as watching it on the screen <laughs> are people going to think that's your camera yeah you know well it's not we everybody knows it's not but you sit there thinking you, you, you know and then you're watching it and you're watching people around you and, and to me i've watched that film thousands of times yeah. i'm fed up of seeing it you know it, it's it's you know it's like when you're editing oh i know you know and then even down to even down to the music the music's from a band called black rabbit a, a couple of Rastafarian musicians from New York <laughs> who, 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 you know, but I, I heard the music, I wanted it. Uh, the voiceover was from a friend of mine, Ian, who's a vicar. His, you know, and he did that in one take and he hates his own voice, but everybody loves it. Um, but watching it on a screen, it is, it is, it is, it's just cool. It is just, it is, it, everybody should do it. If they, if they do stuff and they put stuff on there, and that's another reason why people should enter stuff like this because you just don't know when it's gonna, yeah. you know, when it's gonna be you. I mean, for for people who listen to the podcast who maybe tinker a bit with, you know, telling their stories through film, but have never really taken it to the point of uploading something or editing it, I would imagine you would say do it, do it, do it, because the problem is, you know, it's better to try something and fail. Than not try something and wish what you could have done, 
But when when there's no there's in, when it comes to filming, there's no failure because that's your story. So to you, the only person that it really matters to, that's what you do. So whether it is on on a GoPro on a head or a camera or whatever, it's your story. You know, it's only when you sort of get addicted to it do you really start to look at the nuts and bolts a bit more and and try and get it better and the structure better and the sound better and you know and that's a journey I've loved because you know I never used to worry about sound yeah back in so music back in music yeah. sound <laughs> voiceover back in yeah. music now now no chance no get rid of all that you know and I see so many cracking films on YouTube and they stick hillbilly music on or rock or rave or whatever and I think just 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 spend that extra 10 minutes on it but again I suppose that's that's this, still kind of moving it on yeah. though, isn't it? Now we we have always really want to encourage people to try and you know take good pictures, take better pictures, and try and immerse yourself in film because it's a it's an amazing medium to be able oh, to tell stories. Superb, absolutely yeah. superb, and it's never been more accessible. To no, it's, it's definitely and and it proves the the two the two bursary prize winners, yourself and Ulrich, you know basically. You know, taught themselves. Taught themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. And just grafted the yeah. way. Same yeah. as Ulrich. Just grafted yeah. your way just, through. Just, it. just, just YouTube tutorials. Yeah. YouTube tutorials. Make mistakes. YouTube tutorials. And, and and luckily in this day and age, you can do that. Yeah. Because if you look at, I did some work for. Uh, I was an extra in a film. Like they dressed me up like Baldrick of all things. <laughs> uh, I did this. There's a company near me called Ember. Productions, what did all the natural stuff for uh, the uh, Planet Earth 2. Okay. They did yeah. a lot of that drone stuff and gimbal stuff. And they did a film called The Warreners. And they needed somebody to bring some ferrets in. So I said, you know, oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. Well, we want you to dress up in this authentic stuff. So they brought these green bloody leotard things out and this... this horrible itchy woolen top and a hat and I had to take all this off and and and, and uh, you felt an idiot and all I used in the end was a hand for about five seconds and be ferret going in the hole <laughs> but it's a uh, it is that attention to detail but it is you know it, it's it's just good when you can do that but with with, with them it's um they were a world away but they weren't a world away if you know what I mean, they had all this stuff, but they still didn't grasp simple things. So uh, it's brilliant. Before we get into the book, what is the best way to get into ferreting? Like I'm, I don't know, it could be anyone, but you know, for a young person, how do I get into it? I must the best, the best way to get into ferreting is to see people that do it. Now, in this day and age, a lot of people fight shy of taking complete strangers out because they've been bitten before, they take them out, and then before you know it, they're going on behind the backs and asking to go on the land. Um, but the the majority of people will take people out. I mean, I take I take a fair few people. I take more people out than people realise, um, just to give them a, a, a head start and, and get them to learn. You know, join these countryside organisations like Saks, Basque, CA, yeah, whatever, go to game shops, go to game fairs, country shows. There's always somebody somewhere that knows somebody that goes ferreting. And and it's the age-old thing. If you're prepared to start at the bottom, get wet, dirty, dig, learn of stuff, you'll get the rewards because, you know, a lot of people even now are saying, oh, well, there's not the rabbits about. Well, maybe not in certain areas, but there's still a lot of the rabbits about. Oh, I can't get permission. Well, I can tell you now, they must be doing something wrong because everybody I speak to 
you know, if you're responsible with what you're doing and you get the results, the land just opens up for you. Yeah. So it, it's a case of, of going back to the, the, the ethics of probably the 60s, 70s and 80s and 90s where you did graft and you were quiet, you were unassuming, you learned, you know, and, and respected people, you know, but a lot of people nowadays come out and after 30 seconds they know it all and that's not what you want. You know, if you're taking somebody out on your land where you have to be responsible and everything that can go wrong is on your back, you want people to just be a little bit cautious and respectful of it. So yeah, just, just go see, even write into magazines. There's always somebody somewhere willing to take people out. Uh, as, as, a, as a hobby, how expensive is it to start? Uh, you know, I, I, I've been with someone now, um, I've, I want to now begin, what, what equipment do I need and how, how much is it going to cost me? Getting a few ferrets is being money, basically, yeah. you know, monetary values. Hutches, again, very simple and easy to build. The expense comes when it comes to your equipment and how expansive you want to get. Um, I, I never, I always advocate anybody that works a ferret puts a ferret finder on its neck. They're not cheap. They're like 120, 100 pound, 120 pound each. You know, the finder's another 100 pounds. So it's a couple of hundred quid just to find your ferret. Your nets can be, you know, three, four pound each. Your long nets can be 100, 150 pounds. Uh, your boxes can be like 20 or 30. So you're probably looking for a little kit at about three, 400 pounds. And that's why this year at the game fair, I'm holding a big competition and we've got a complete ferreting kit worth £1,200. Wow. And wow. we're giving it away for free. And all they've got to do is come on the Pugs and Drummer stand, put their name and telephone number in my tablet, and then on the Sunday, we're going to draw it free on, on Librook. Is, is this... At the, on this game fair at Ragley. Scoon, oh, yeah. Ragley. Okay, yeah. On at Ragley. So there's this big... So I've called in all favours from everybody, from clothing to boots to, to boxes to books to long nets to spades to knives, everything. everything complete package. And I, I, I hope a kid wins it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot of money. You know, it's about 11, 1200 quid's worth. And I want it to, I would like it to go to somebody that would really appreciate it. Like I appreciate the money from the film festival, you know, because it, it, it's a big prize. It's never been done before. It's a big prize. Uh, and that's, that's because it's, cool. that's because it's the 60th anniversary of the game fair, 10th anniversary of the Pugs and Drummers. So we thought, yeah, no, why, why not? Just, just so, Luckily, everybody who I spoke to said, "Yeah, what do you want?" That was brilliant. That's great. You know? So, if you're going to be at the game fair, come on, look it up. You need to go and enter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. if you're a youngster. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. What a great start that would be. Do you do you have many people wanting to purchase your ferrets, or do you sell many of your? Yeah, all the while. You wouldn't believe what my messengers like. I I I don't sell ferrets. You, they no. are your ferrets. They are my ferrets. I breed my ferrets. I give my ferrets away. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, there's plenty of my ferrets all over the country, <laughs> you know, because I know where they are. Yeah. So if anything happens, I know where bloodlines are. So yeah, I might have to dip back a generation or two, but I know where they are. The same as I've always got ferrets off people like Bob Merrin, who's a, who features heavily in the book, Grandad Bob. He's, he's just a legend. I can't say more words about the blog. Uh, fantastic ferrets from him and on all around the country, work them hard, take out what I don't want. They go to people who, who are happy with them but they're not my cup of tea, but that they're happy with them. And then I breed and breed and breed, keep them all, work them all. And again, just weed out what I don't want. But nowadays I just keep everything. So unfortunately I've only bred four this year. So they're called banana, Caitlin, 
Beauty and Beast. <laughs> so, so P, when you grow up, and uh, you're probably not a best friend called Caitlin no more, because when she finds out you named a ferret after her, <laughs> she ain't going to be too chuffed. But yeah, they're the four for this year. And uh, I just keep them all and work them all. So yeah, it's, as I said, 25 ferrets get me through the season. That goes up. But it, it, it is, it, it can be quite expensive, like anything, you know, with clothing. And, and, but once you've got it, you've got it, haven't you? Mm. Uh, how long? How many seasons do you get out of your ferrets before it's retirement? Well, these these youngsters will start work in November. If I can get four seasons out of them, I'm happy. You know, so they that that takes them to five. Um, I keep working them, and I keep everything uh, until they drop down. It's like my dogs. I'll keep them, and once they finish work and they're family pets. I, I was uh, just going to ask: Do they? Do they? Grow old gracefully. My do dogs, they... my dogs sleep on the couch at home. Yeah, got a big dog flap in the garden, and people think you know you got these kennels. And now I got I got me two dogs. Uh, they make up to three if I breed Tony next year. Um, they sleep on the couch. Their family pets. My daughter dotes on them. Be ferrets. They work hard for me when they finish work, and I bring them to the shore. So my demo ferrets are generally old ferrets. No, they're not this year, but generally old ferrets, and they uh, they live with me because. Again, I'm a bit old-fashioned. If something if something works its ass off for you, give it a retirement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not into this. Oh, it's finished working for me. I'm getting rid of it. I got. I got. You know. No, it's worked its ass off for you. It's, it's, it's gone through hell for you to give you what you have. It deserves. It deserves a bit that. Of dignity and-, and and the same as they're only animals. That well, they are animals. They don't. They don't understand the pressure we put on them. So don't get annoyed when they don't be all robotic because they're animals and this is they like with the ferrets and the dogs some days they, they're complete garbage <laughs> when you don't want them to be do yeah you know yeah. so when you've got a big day you, you you could be filming or photographers or you could take people out they could be utter crap you know what it happens it's just the way it is and even though you sulk and you you know it happens and you've got to understand that so when they when they retire they're just they loaf about, go on the beach, loaf about, because <laughs> they, they've they've deserved it. Yeah, great. Now, from that, uh, which is 100% connected to your book, because you're, there's actually a picture of you with your dog, probably looking, uh, you've got some rabbits in your hands and you're probably looking at one of your ferrets, I can't see the ferret. How did the book come about? Because Scott Ree, who you did this with, has also been on this podcast. He's a dude, yeah. he's, he's a YouTube sensation. Yeah, he is. He's... he's I've known Scott for a few years and we talked about this a couple of years ago because the the way things are moving within our world, we've got to make people understand what we do, why we do, how we do it, be be ethical, be moral, you know, all that. Uh, the plates have shifted heavily in the last few years and we, I've shifted my attitudes heavily and... I've been involved in promoting Rabbit as Game for a lot of years, more years than people understand behind the scenes. Um, and last year, when we were at the Game Fair, I was on stage with Jose, who is a, a complete genius when it comes to promoting game in its own right. Um, when I come off, there was a lot of people come up to me and, and sort of said, you know what, you know, that, that's, that's got to go down in a book because what you've just done, just by talking about what you do, you're bringing a subject from the earth up, whereas before everybody's done it from the restaurant down. And however fantastic that is, a lot of people like me who 
don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen, but want to eat game, especially rabbit, want it in a, in a common sense approach. So I spoke to Scott last year, last July and said, we've got to do this, but we've got to do it now. Can't do it next year or the year after. It's got to be done now. So he agreed. And between basically September and February, this was done. It's such a short time frame um, to pull something off like I this. did a lot of research uh, into the history, uh, little quirky facts about rabbits. And again, just getting back to what my mindset is like, I wasn't happy with certain things. So I, I delved deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, we sorted the pictures out. We went over every rabbit in that book, every rabbit in that recipe and butchery I caught with me on hands. So I went over to, to, to Scott's with a car full of rabbits. And um, Andy, who's produced and pictured the book, has done a superb job. Everything, the team, the team involved with this, and, 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 and it wasn't all straightforward. There's a lot of arguments, and a lot of stress. You know, we're not happy with this, we're not happy with that. I wasn't happy with the front cover. They said, well, you're not picking the front cover. I said, well, no, I'm not picking the front I'm not happy with it. It's not going out till I'm happy. And there was all this bouncing about of these creative minds. Mm. And it just worked perfectly because I now know the, the colour of the front cover is right. I didn't personally agree with that to begin with. But that's why I don't design front covers of books. You know, you've got to listen. You've got to learn to stay back and listen to people who do stuff for their profession because they know best. And we got it ready. Rosemary Schrager, thankfully, has uh, done the forward because I do some fun cooking demos with her at the Great Yorkshire Show. And she's as mad as a box of frogs in herself. <laughs> um, and we just hit it off. And and the reason we did it is to put in a, in a in the right way why I control rabbits and harvest rabbits and why people have done it from year dot. And then Scott's put through his, his butchery section how you can easily prepare a rabbit and the recipes are for every level of culinary skill. So from me, who like the simple stuff, right through to the more complicated stuff. There's a few guest recipes on there from the likes of Tin Madams and Truly Traceable, who won the Gold Star for the Rabbit Pie Award from Suffolk. Um, so we, um, you need good pictures. So with Craig McCann being, he is one of the men for pictures. He, uh, we've got everything. So hopefully it's like got a coffee book, coffee table book feel about the pictures. It's got a lot of information about rabbits and rabbiting without being over glorified, gory and and. I answer the moral dilemma of taking the animal's life, and then the recipes finish it off. So, I think. We've got the balance right, and because of the way it's been put together, um, and even even to the aspect I've talked about the bad things about rabbits, you know, because obviously you know when you harvest an animal, it's not always perfect. Well, I had I had a bit of a a set to with me conscience about do I mention worms, liver fluke, and I, in the end I did, and I pictured it because I think if somebody goes out buying a book telling them about everything and they come across a rabbit with what that looks like bits of white rice in the liver. I don't want them to eat it. So morally, I thought it was right to say Given that. the whole picture. Whereas a lot of books, venison books, game bird books, they don't mention the bad things. It's just the perfect It's the perfect result, thing. Yeah. And, and I think you've got to learn about everything. So between me and Scott and Andy and, and the rest of them that were involved in the project, I think we may have got it right. 
Well, I'm I'm looking forward to casting my eye through it properly. Obviously, we just had a quick look at it before we started recording this, but it must be an incredible feeling that is almost uh, it must uh, unparalleled to have something that you've worked on in a hardback printed form like that. I mean, I don't even think it would compare to you make a film and you stick it online. Yeah, okay, you've been involved in something from start to finish, but that is a very different, very thing. different it's, having it's, that. It's a different market. tangible in your hand. It's it's different. It's a different feeling, and it's it's not my first book, so it, I haven't got the excitement Scott has. Scott is, 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 is mega excited. Scott is like floating on gas and I'm like pulling him down saying, you, you realise you've got three days of being pulled and pinched at the game fair. Oh, I can handle that. Well, we'll see. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a different mindset when you're tired and, 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 and you know, people, because people are going to knock it and I, and I don't blame them because everybody can do better. But you know what Conor McGregor said? They all want to do what I do until they have to do what I do. <laughs> and that, that is exactly what the answers will be to a lot of things. You'll, so. pro- you'll probably find in a few years' time, this will be the book when, you know, when people suggest books, I want to get into this, this will be like one of the top ones. I want to learn about ferreting and get into yeah. ferreting. This will be one of those books. Because my last ferreting book was like 10 years and I might do another ferreting book because that has changed beyond belief in 10 years. But what I wanted to do with this was put people in my shoes Um what it's like to go out there to rabbit, not how to rabbit, what you what you feel, what goes on, what other people feel of you, how do people view you, you know, what why do you catch rabbits and, and, and why? And, and and it's funny enough, the the research I did into our social history, I mean if you think the rabbit is entwined in our social history, not with a thread, with a blood red thread, because the amount of people that were killed over rabbits through the agricultural revolution and, and onwards, was fun, it was unbelievable. You know, you had these people who had a, barely could live on their wage, working amongst all these rabbits running about, but if they killed one, if they even carried a net or a dog, they'd be sent off to Australia. So how can we relate to that? You know what I mean? How could you ever relate to that? And, uh, and it's all in, in there because it, I just find it fascinating, you know, how, you know, people say it's a rabbit, well, not really. It, it's something that our our whole island has survived on, you know, and it was held in such high esteem that if you took it, then you were off, you know, and then the people that caught stuff said, no, you're not taking me off. And there was these massive pitch battles where people were killed over rabbits, you know, they, 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 you know and we had laws, you know, the Black Act, where it was a fence in the, in the 1800s to blacken your face or wear a hoodie because they thought you were going to catch rabbits because the people that blacked themselves, the blacks, they killed gamekeepers because then gamekeepers were going to kill them. So we had, we, we had chaps and hoodies in the 1800s. You know, it's just that we didn't realise it. And, yeah. and, and it's stuff I wouldn't have found out about because, as I said... We didn't learn about this stuff, you know, the, the rare times we went to school. So you ended up digging into this history oh, because of the book. Deep style, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was speaking to people. I was reading books, and I was looking into the the, the the social problems, the problems of rabbit starvation, of what people thought they could just survive on eating rabbits, yeah. and they, they found out there was this uh, no, we um, Scandinavian explorer, and and they were eating rabbits and rabbit and rabbits, but all. The people helping them were eating blubber and fat. And what was happening, their stomachs were coming out here and they were feeling hungry and hungrier because 
they, it was all protein. It was all protein. There was no fat. And they thought because they were eating meat, happy days, happy days. But it wasn't. They needed fat. And of uh, course, they then stuffed loads of stuff in them and, and give themselves the squits and all sorts of things. And they were dying and all sorts of rubbish. And it, it's it's all down to the, the dietary, the how you look at your diet. It's like nowadays, we can, we can eat proteins, carbohydrates. You know, it's not all about, Eat on one thing, yeah, and back yeah. and back then they didn't they didn't think about that, and they learned the hard way. So I had to learn all about that and, and the social issues, the history of the Warreners at home in, in Suffolk and Norfolk, and and how they kept rabbits in these massive warrens, and they only harvested the ones that were in the right physical condition for the fur for the factories in Brandon, and then all the meat went to to London and all over the place. If you think about it, that was that was mass. That was a mass agricultural practice, maybe 150 years before we thought of mass producing chickens and pigs. They were doing it with rabbits. Mm. You know. There's no market for the fur anymore, is there? Sadly not. Although although I see something on the news last week about they think rabbit fur might be able to be made into the new biodegradable plastic. Yeah, oh, I must have missed that. You know, yeah. you know that was a that was a chop away line, but there's no information on it. So somebody's chucked it out there, but there was no inf- information. And the fur, sadly, because people now don't wear fur. No. The the last fur factory shut in Brandon many many years ago, and and the fur is the one thing. I cannot utilise with a rabbit. The heads I can use, falconers love the rabbit heads because... For training? No, for feeding and for cleaning the beaks. Oh. So clean rabbits with no with no lead in there. Uh, not only are pristine for the table, I'll chop all the heads off, keep all the heads. Then I sell them to falconers because they're Harris hawks, they're birds, they're falcons. They pick at it. And because of the contours of the skull and what's in there, they feed them and clean the beaks. So even the head's got a use. But back in the day, the, the legs used to be shredded up and used for mulch on the hop vines. The fur used to be used for, for fur or for felt hats or, or for stuff like that. Nowadays, it's not. So It's a shame that, in a way, because uh, it's a byproduct that we can't do anything. Maybe you need to look into this biodegradable plastic because you uh, could be sitting on a gold mine. You know, but, but, but again, that because we're not using the fur, that's made us a bit lazy in how we skin rabbits. You know, yeah. if you're using the fur... You take your time and get it in one go, whereas now it's it's quick it's and easy and, and, quick and, 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 and it's done. So yeah, the, maybe we should go back to to wearing fur, but I just I think the the social issues are too far gone to ever go back to wearing fur. Yeah, it, I mean, all it requires is education because I think the issue that people had with fur is it was fur for fur's sake. So there was stuff being yeah. bred specifically for fur, for coats, fur, yeah. and it had no other use. Yeah. But if you're using fur as a byproduct of something which is being used for food and as part of mm. uh, land management for agriculture, as your rabbits are, that is the most ethical thing you could possibly do. Yeah, yeah. You take them from the land, and then you put them back in the land, and that is the full, complete, ultimate, full circle. Yeah. And, and then, and then you're, you know, like on uh, your modern kind of jackets they've got the the fake fur the fake fur that which means, is made out that of means oil that we're, yeah we're made out of oil it means when it goes to landfill if it was made out of rabbit it would disappear yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't think about this you see yeah. it's like somebody saying now we've all got to go back to paper and glass hmm. but in the 90s we were told you can't use paper or glass you've got to use plastic so yeah. perhaps this wheel of evolution will swing back oh, around the, I think we just had the glass discussion I this think morning, it's the, the, the paper glass 
thing is definitely in full swing background, and and I th- it was just. It was madness at the time. It, it was at the time they they thought the plastic was the future, hmm. but they just uh, they just didn't think about the, the longevity, co- the, the longevity, and the consequences. Well, that's of, that's the of shocking it. thing of of watching the programs on TV and watching the damage plastics do. But we do need it, yeah. Because when we're drinking water, we need to buy it in something. So what 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 are they going to do? We can't get away with not having it. I don't think. I think it's just. I I think what that requires is a a more responsible attitude to what we do with the waste. Yeah. Yeah. And if everybody is genuinely recycling it, then there's probably no problem. Yeah. The issue comes in in certain parts of the world, and even here in the UK, until very very recently, there hasn't been much of a recycling culture. I know what it's like. As I said, where I live in Pickfield, I live on the cliffs, go out on the beach every day with the dogs. I know the amount of rubbish washed up on that beach yeah. is unbelievable. And then when all the holiday makers come down, there is just loads of cans and bottles. That pisses you know, me off so and, much. And you pick, you can only pick so much up because you don't want to keep walking with big black bin liners. Lots of people are now doing it, you know, taking little bags and, and doing stuff. If everyone... Uh, but if everybody just picked it up, it's, yeah. like, it's like the car parks on the top. We've got all these lovely bins... They're all full of McDonald's wrappers because they go in the McDonald's half a mile up the road, come down there, sit in the car park, and then overflow everywhere with with yeah. with, with with wrappers. You know, so you're right. It, it's, it's education, but I, um, I think people just need to be a little bit more like just look at your daily. Uh, over the last few months, I've managed to reduce the plastic in my house. I know this because my recycling bin. Uh, I can judge it on my recycling bin, and. From one going from uh, getting my food from the green grocer, so it all comes in one basket now. Or, some, or paper. Uh, or yeah, or like the mushrooms come in a paper, paper bag, things like that. I've now basically wiped out all my plastic from my vegetables because I don't buy any more vegetables anymore because it all either comes from my parents' garden or it comes from the green grocer. We're spoiled. We get a little veg pack. We we. we, we get this organic veg that's what we get yeah that's basically from, from basically Riverford Riverford deliver the, and the, then and then I know people I do a bit about the rainbow economy meat goes one way yep, yep. veg comes another and when, when I go to the shop I do feel a bit sad and I do feel a bit like Roy Cropper because I've got these hessian bags that we put the shop in and I, I use hessian but, I, hessian but actually carrying them about you do well, feel like Roy Cropper yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean you do you, you <laughs> sort of you know you, you but everybody's doing it. You're right. But it's it's we've we've got we've got to learn. We've got, we, it's other things. Uh, and the thing is, is it's easy for me to say you should just go to the butcher and only buy butchered beef because then you'll reduce your packaging, which is true. Because if you go to the butcher, you really reduce the amount of packaging you get. But it's not attainable to everyone because butchers are are typically more expensive yeah, than, than a that, supermarket. Than a supermarket. Yeah. Uh, it's just that I'm in a fortunate position where I do go and get most well, of that's my... That's another reason why everybody should be eating rabbit, really. Yeah. You know, How much does a rabbit go for nowadays? Well, it depends which part of the country you are. <laughs> because if you got an oven-ready rabbit, say in Suffolk, from a butcher, if it was in North Suffolk, you'd be paying £2.50. If you go down to Southwold or Aldborough, you're probably paying £3.54. Go to the Peak District, you're probably paying seven fifty. What? Wow. Go into London, you could be paying as much as twelve quid. What for an oven rev- one? Just oven one ready oven rabbit. ready rabbit. The Peak District. Uh, a good friend of mine, Sean, he lives he lives just on the outside of the Peak District. 
his rabbits, what he catches, he takes them to a butcher. They sell for seven fifty. Wow! And you know what? People buy them. I'm sure that if you, if anybody listening walks into their local butcher and they don't have rabbits there, you could probably could request them. Yeah, the probably. They're easily got to because I mean, yeah. you've you've got game dealers that deliver. Uh, even cash and carries now, they all do frozen oven ready rabbit. Even bookers, they all do it. They all do it. Don't know where they come from, but they all do it. <laughs> because because that sort of curtailed a lot of the, the restaurants buying rabbits fresh because they they get it delivered with the meat. You know, because I, I we used to a lot of my rabbits we used to prepare and sell at restaurants. And they used they used to love putting on the chalkboard hand caught by so and so and you know they used to really sex up this this, like this rabbit. Yeah. And that was good. That was good because they they found an avenue of of being able to sell rabbit. Uh people eat rabbit. And if I, I, I think I've learned a lot in how to prepare rabbit over the years and, and cook rabbit and eat rabbit. Probably guilty of not eating enough rabbit because I don't live the lifestyle with going doing shows and everything else. But we do eat more rabbit now than ever before. And the sad thing is, I've got a daughter, Grace, who's now 12. You look around, she's lucky. She's got horses, she's healthy, she's a karate, she, she's active girl. Pink princess, never going to do this in her life. But she understands it. But a lot of her friends aren't that way inclined. And it's easier and cheaper to eat crap. And I think if we get more people into eating game and rabbits and venison and, 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 and fish and other things, I think it'll be better because it's the one thing I've learned. Uh, and again, it's going back to the book is, is when I was doing this is I learned that there's a social link that's been missing. And that is when a lot of people grew up and they prepared me off the bone with the mother or the father. They used to have that time, that bonding time. They used to learn stuff. They used to sit down on this square piece of wood called a table and eat together and speak, and they didn't have mobiles. And I think that should come back. And and again, we're all guilty of it on the phone and, and this and that. But at meal times, especially with, with with Grace, you know, phones are off, you know, and you actually speak. You know, I know people that do that. And they're messaging each other in different rooms, you know, and where's it all going to end? But it, it's it's a big, big learning curve. So, yeah, it, we, we've we got to learn about everything as a, I suppose, as a species, you know, you know, old, old morals, you know, recyclable, good food, exercise. You know, we've we've got to learn to take a long, hard look at ourselves. Where, where, where can you get the book? This is the important thing. Well, this is the problem, you see. If this podcast is out soon... You could get it at uh, the Great Yorkshire Show or the Game Fair at Ragley or order it on awaywithmedia.com. Possibly if it's coming out in October, September. No, it'll be out before It'll then. be out before then. Um, you may be waiting for a reprint because they're going very quickly. That's good news. So I, no, would... I think it should be out before the Game Fair. Yeah. Yes. So uh, yeah, it will Come be. and see us at the Game Fair then. We're on uh, Pugs and Drummers is on every Game Fair map because it's a Game Fair feature. We're in the, the Cookery Theatre at 4.15 on the Friday, me and Scott. So we've got all the other chefs just warming the arena up nicely for us. <laughs> and then we're doing book signings. We're, we're, we're all over the place. So we will be there and, and the social media accounts will be full of it. 
Brilliant. And will you ship internationally? Because I guarantee it's going all over the world already. We will, okay, good. We've got Australia, Tasmania, New Zealand, uh, America, Canada, Africa. We haven't got many Scandinavians yet, but that might change. Uh, well, they will after this podcast. And, and, and then it's, it's going global. It's going absolutely global. And that's what we want because we want other countries, cultures, civilizations to understand what we do, why we do it, how we do it. And by producing something simple like that, I think we may be onto a winner. Well, it looks great. I cannot wait to read it. Uh, it's been fantastic having you on the show. And I'm looking forward to trying to see a full one of your demonstrations this weekend at the Game Fair at Scoon Palace. That should be good. Cause it... Which won't be this weekend when the show comes out. Oh, it out. won't be this weekend. No, <laughs> no sorry. Be, it's this weekend for me now, as yeah. I'm sitting here recording this. No, but it will, it'll, be, it'll be great to be there. And we, I think, are not going to be too far away from each other. And we actually have our own own stand this year. So. Oh, I, Schoon, Schoon's great. I did it for the first time last year for, for a lot of years. And it is just friendly and welcoming. It's a great show. I know. And that's, that's you don't realise, as a demonstrator, how much that means and how much that relaxes everybody. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it. The voice isn't because it's a bit, it's took a bit of a may, may, Maybe you'll need to leave a ferret with, with us at our tent for people to come and look at. Yeah, we could do that. We could yeah. do a little ferret exchange, <laughs> drag people in. <laughs> yeah. It's been great to have you on, Simon. Brilliant. That's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Join us again in two weeks' time. I believe we will be bringing out uh, an interim show at some point. It might not be in the next two weeks, but it'll be at some point. Um, I haven't actually listened to uh, the debate yet from Schoon, so I don't know what the audio is like, so it will all depend on how how good the audio actually is because we won't put it out unless it's it's good. But the next full podcast is going to be uh, the last podcast that I recorded well in oh, New Zealand. Yes, which I've not listened to either. So I'll be excited to edit that. Uh, the show is always out every two weeks. We endeavor never to be late. We've been late, I think... Very rarely. I think twice. Twice. And uh, I think you've... If you are a regular listener, which a lot of you are, uh, you'll know that the first time was because we were on Sky with no internet, and I think the second time we were was somewhere. I think we were either travelling or my leg was falling off. <laughs> In fact, even during that time period mm. that I was really ill, we managed to get the show out. Yep, that's quite incredible that we managed to keep it going, Com- considering how incapacitated yeah. you were. Yeah, well, my mouth still works. <laughs> Um, but my arm didn't. That was I tried typing with a cast on. It was really hard. Not easy. No. Don't forget to enter our competition for this week's show, which is to win a bundle of Tipton cleaning gear. Uh, most of it is related to the Tipton cleaning rods, which we've given away over the last twelve months. Uh, go and you'll be able to check out our social media in the next day or two, and you'll see a picture with all the stuff that we're going to give away. In fact, I forgot to mention at the very start that along with that. We're going to throw in a Hornady cap as well. There we go, some Hornady caps. Uh, don't forget, you can listen to the show on all of the, the usual usual ways. You can download load podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, Podbean, Podcast Addict. Uh, the list goes on and on, but if you are happen to be listening on YouTube or something and you're like, I actually want to download the show and it's a little bit more convenient, then you have all of those options as well. If you listen to the show um, or you want the show to be on a something that you normally listen to your podcast on, let us know and we can... Is it on Google Play? Yes, I think it is because I tested it the other day. Because we're not, because not that I've ever used it, but I heard somebody mention it the other day. Because Google have um, a thing basically like Amazon Alexa 
because I've got the Amazon Alexa in my house. In fact, that's the one thing I don't think our show's on is Amazon Alexa, which is weird because I actually have that. I'll need to sort that. I'll get on to that. But uh, Google Home is their version of it, and I know that our podcast plays on Google Home. So, yes, because I've tested it. So I don't know what you say, but you say Google Play this podcast, and ours does start playing, um, which is pretty cool. There you Uh, go. If you need any more information uh, about us or anything that's going on or our shop, it is all the W's, thepacebrothers.com. And don't forget to find us on Instagram because we are very active on Instagram and uh, that's where all of the latest stuff is. All of the pictures go on there, but incidentally, it's actually become a little bit more intuitive with the sharing to Facebook. So our our Pace Brothers page. It's very confusing all of our pages actually. Maybe we need to refine them a little bit. Well, they're all Pace Brothers aren't they? They are but one's the podcast page but yeah. anyway, if you want to get all of the information, go to the Instagram page because that's where everything Pace goes. Pace underscore Brothers. Pace underscore Brothers. And if you want to email the show it's podcast at paceproductionsuk.com. Nice and easy. It'll be in the show description. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah.